Hey, what's that, April? Some kind of weird Japanese antique egg timer. Cappuccino? That makes me hyper. It seems the scepter has magic powers. Hold on, dudes. If April's back in feudal Japan, does that mean we, like, have to ride that scepter back through time to get her? It's equal mass displacement. Step back, dudes. I just brought us some heavy artillery. Hey, Casey. <laughs> Welcome back. T-minus two minutes and counting. Let's go, my dude. Okay, the inscription says open wide the gates of time. Work. All right, already. Let's go. Go with Cap. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. It's the podcast where we are talking about the 1993 live-action Ninja Turtles film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, No Subtitle Required. I am Scott Tofty. Along with me this season on our... Uh, Fantastic voyage through the Turtles canon are our co-hosts, Adam Sheehan. We're doing it. It's finally happening. It's finally happening. Rachel Gatlin. (laughs) And Chris O'Connor. The time has come to travel through something. Time? (laughs) All right. Hey, guys, we're doing a thing. It's been a long time, but we're back. Woo! Dare I say it it has felt like it's been forever since we've done this in this capacity. Yeah. Dare I say Major League butt kicking is back in town. You could uh, dare. Um, uh, it won't make you feel bad about that, it. That's that's a thing you could say. I you guess. dared that's a thing it. I could say. You did dared it, dude it, and you fell off that skateboard. All right. Well, listen. It is a whole new season, so let's catch the listeners up a little bit, shall we? Uh, it's it's COVID. So mm-hmm. we're all still relatively locked down in our houses. It's December as we're recording this. Uh, how's everybody doing? I, I, I was thinking the other day about the beginning of lockdown, like way back in the before times, like April, <laughs> March. Ten years and ago. And my coworkers and I were like, it'll be six weeks. We'll be back. <laughs> oh, what what sweet babes we all were. That it were. became six months. Yeah, that it became six more months. Yeah. It'll yeah, be a everyone, year in March that I've been working from home. Everyone kind of thought that by like ah the fall we'd be able to like go back and do normal things. Like I yeah. told my students that graduated eighth grade, I'm like ah, I'm sorry we didn't get a concert, guys, but we'll come back and we'll play it in the fall in September. We'll have you all back as freshmen, yeah, as in, in high school. And no, it's not a thing that happened at all. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go. I have two closets, and I'll go to the closet that has like my nice work clothes, and I just say hello to them. Like, hello. Oh. oh, I burned that closet years ago. <laughs> yeah. All my uh, nice fantastic. dresses and skirts, I, I say hello to them. because Just to them. make sure they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. and my well, nice shoes. This show is no stranger to uh, dealing with unfortunate life circumstances, so I think we'll be okay. We've gotten through a lot in the past couple of years, so we'll get through this. Uh, the one nice thing that this whole time has brought us is this fancy new Zoom thing. So now we're all able to see each other for the first time yeah. as we record a Minutes podcast. So hi. hi. You're all hideous. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Why is everybody so ugly? I like Hey. Hey. You know? I jest. I jest. No, no one looks good on a webcam. It's it's impossible. That's true. There's a whole business model around looking good since... on webcams. Yeah. 
I also haven't trimmed my beard since last March, yeah. so I've I've got a bit of a wizard thing yeah. going on. Mm. Chris and I both rocking the man bun. So, um, but hopefully, my goal is because we're all so exhausted and so tired and so busy and have so little time, uh, which I'm going to talk about more in a moment. Is that because of Zoom, we'll be able to watch. Uh, a little bit more carefully about stepping on each other's cues. So hopefully I won't have to edit this year nearly as much. We'll just be able to put out full episodes for you. No problem. Yeah. Take that slightly negative reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we do care. We're trying we, we to change. We can raise our hand when we need to say something. Oh, no, Mr. That, that's, Tofty. A, that's a novel <laughs> concept. We could do that. But um, I mean, that, that's, that's really what reviews are for. It, it's, it, it is it is about praising us. Please do. Um, Please. We do like it when you do that. But also, like you know, if there's something that's that's like this show would be perfect if you just didn't do this one thing all the time. Uh, let us know. <laughs> the show would be great if it just wasn't so much talking. <laughs> if that Adam guy would just shut his mouth once, once in a while. while. <laughs> that's Jeez. the thing. Is none of them name names, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> Our listeners because I'm sure are, it's me. They're nothing if they're not courteous and polite about their insults towards us. Mm. So um, I think I can also mention. I think. That uh, we are now an award-winning podcast. Can you? I believe hey. that we won the uh, Movies by Minutes Best Host Team Award. Uh, so congratulations, team, on that. Yay. You know We're an award-winning podcast Go now, us. so good for us. Um, since we've last seen you, we did Ninja Turtles Up From Below, our role-playing game with uh, Ralph Atanasia and Sean Jaffe. So we haven't been uh, starved for each other's company. Yeah. We've 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 been in touch. We've not been resting on our turtley laurels. No, we're, we're also in sort of a pre-production standpoint as we record this now of a, a new exciting show featuring the four of us that you yeah. guys are going to get in your earballs pretty soon. Correct. Um, or, and or we can't talk about it yet. We don't know. Yeah, I think- I, we, we, you've either had it for weeks or <laughs> you know, or it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> either way, the mo- the amount of talking we've done as of this recording session is good. Yes. yes. Um, but that brings me to my next point is we have a bit of a format change for you guys this year. Now, typically, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute is the daily podcast that discusses the 1990s live action turtle films. And because we enjoy our sanity, uh, <laughs> we decided that we can no longer keep up the daily format. Um, just because, A, we are so busy in our actual real live day job things that earn us money and put roofs over our heads that we have been spending a lot of time underneath lately. Uh, <laughs> but also because Dueling Genre Network is going through a bit of a revamp and and there's a lot of work behind the scenes going on with that, suffice to say, which is leaving us uh, committed elsewhere and, and not be able to give a lot of attention to the turtle side of things. Um, and also, thirdly, because this is Ninja Turtles 3, it's the third time we've gone round, and the popular opinion is that this film is just not that good. More on that later. Uh, <laughs> but for all of these reasons, the crew has gotten together, and we had a discussion, and it's been going on for a while, and we decided the best way to do this season to make it fun and functional uh, and also to get it over with a little quicker for you <laughs> was to go three by three. So this is TMNT three by three. We are doing three minutes a day, three times a week. We'll get these Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and each episode will be comprised of three minutes of footage from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, the absence of the subtitle. You'd been saying three by three, but it's actually three by three by three. (gasps) Yeah, because it's three by three, three times a a week. So it's three cubed? Ah! 
<laughs> we should just do this. Th- we should we should release this three times daily. I yeah. think. I think we should go the other <laughs> way. <laughs> At, at nine, noon, and three. Yeah, so I we're gonna be well, we'll, we'll put out want. we'll put out the Facebook announcement, the Instagram yep. post, and then the tweet. There's three so times, many three three times a day. <laughs> I'm not a numerologist, but something tells me that there must be significance to the number three and how many times we're using it. Triangles. Three three sides to a slice of pizza. Oh, that's a good one. Unless unless you're eating a small round pizza, then there's like, three sides to a pizza anyway: the top side, the bottom side, and the inside of my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I jest and I digress. So listen, that was our first official tangent of season three. What do you guys say we get started talking about some turtles, shall we? Let's sure. do it, yeah, man. It feels good to be uh, in front of this audience again. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, we are happy to have our listeners reengaged and uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. Um, we, we also, also, there's a possibility that we'll be reaching out for some sort of fan involvement as this gets rolling on because we also have other social media uh, irons in the fire. We'll leave that alone for this week and we'll plug at the end like I normally do. Don't let me forget to plug at the end. Um, hey, Scott, don't forget to plug at the end. You asshole. <laughs> Didn't mean now. Anyway, let's talk about some turtles, shall we? So we are looking at minutes one through three today. So that means we are starting with the familiar strains of the New Line Orchestra Q, and we are ending with slightly less familiar but slightly more explosive strains uh, of of ZZ Top with some turtle choreographed dancing therein. So let's get into it, shall we? Minute number one. Of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Wait, before we do that. <laughs> what do we remember about Turtles 3? What are your initial thoughts on this? Because I have, I'm running this season with a thesis. I have a thesis statement that I am looking to prove. And I have a feeling it's not going to be popular. But I want to hear what you guys think. Uh, your sort of initial opinions, first thoughts of this movie. Chris, let's start with you. You mean you have a... Oh well. Anyway, uh, yeah, my initial <laughs> thoughts on it. Um, I remember. I like that Chris I, is going to correct my 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 yeah, grammar I, or something already. Um, actually, <laughs> um, actually, hypothesis, and then you prove it with in the thesis. Anyway, I have that. That's statement. what I have. Do hypothesis. your thing. What anyway, is your thoughts? Um, yeah, I remember seeing this in theaters with my friend. Uh, with my, I think I saw it with my family. I'm pretty sure I saw this with like cousins. Um, like during when did this one come out? Ninety three. Well, ninety three in the summer. Uh, you know, this is I information it, I should probably have handy. I think it came out in the summer. I, I could swear I saw this, like, with my little brother and my little cousins. Um, and it was, you know, it was March fun. 9th. March, March 9th. 9th, okay, 1993. No. Oh, we would have seen it on spring break. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 93 would have been in Virginia. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. I saw, I'm sure, pretty sure I saw this with my family in theaters. And it was, you know, fun. Um, as a, as an 11 year old, yeah, 11 year old, I can math. Uh, I, I, you know, I thought it was, oh, cool. Ninja Turtles is fun. All right. But I think by 11, I might've already kind of been slightly moving away for a while. You and the rest of the nation, I believe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Rachel, what about you? I really have no memories of this movie. Like I know I've seen it. (laughs) You lucky. I know it's not great. Um, we actually watched it last night. Adam fell asleep. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> I could. But like nothing, nothing felt nostalgic to me. Oh, like nothing warmed your cockles. No, no. Like I, I remember <sighs> parts of it. I remember kind of like 
I don't know. Like I have a vague memory of it, but nothing, nothing stood out. It was just all right. All right. And Adam, what do you remember from the part of the movie that you stayed awake through? <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going back to like, what do I remember of this movie from like my first impressions as a kid? <coughs> Sorry, it's fine. <coughs> Swallowed wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> I would say um, it's one of the first movies, if not the first movie that I was ever truly disappointed by. Like I was excited to see it's a third Ninja Turtles movie. They're going to do time travel. It's going to be excellent. And then like getting this and then like having to deal with that. Mm. So like I, it's even, even as a nostalgic memory, it was, it's disappointing. So I'm, I'm, I really want to find some good things to say about this movie. Cause as of now, I don't have many, which is a shame. All right. Fair. Um, I'll do mine. I this is one of the movies I have a concrete like 1993 memory of, uh, and it starts with one of my brother's best friends. My brother's about 13 years older than me, so I was eight, seven, somewhere on there, nine, 93, yeah, eight, yeah. Um, at the time. And my brother's friend is older, and I remember him being over at our house that we just moved into, and he said, "Hey, they're making a new Turtles, and Casey Jones is coming back." And I remember. I was super excited about the fact that Casey Jones was coming back. That's literally the only original memory I have of this movie is that conversation and being like, what? Um, Like most people, for many, many years, I have maintained that this is a terrible film. (laughs) You're not wrong. Now, here's where my hypothesis comes in. Okay. And I'm going to credit the people at Back to the Future Minute for helping me start to think about this. Okay. Stay with me. Okay. For years, I looked at Back to the Future 3 as the weakest of the trilogy. Upon listening to Back to the Future... Yeah, I did, because I liked the the past travel within Marty's lifetime in the first one. I liked the future travel within Marty's lifetime and all the fun stuff of the second one as a child. Mm -hmm. And the third one, it was just like this weird Western movie that didn't seem to fit. I just, for whatever reason, as a kid, I wrote it off. Now... As an adult listening to Back to the Future 3 minute and hearing the nuance they go into about how this is really now it's Doc's version of Marty's story from the original. It really is the most emotional of all of them. It 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 fits the formula of the first movie better than the, the second movie did. I was like, you know, I wonder if this applies to Turtles. I wonder if Turtles 3 is maybe... Is there something there worth looking at that we've looked over all the that we've that we've overlooked rather all these years? And I came to this hypothesis: Turtles Three is next, aside from Turtles Ninety, the closest to the original Eastman and Laird version of Ninja Turtles that the films have gotten. By far, more than Whoa. Turtles Two. Yeah, that that's a reach, man. I'm going what? to put it out there. And I will I will refer you guys to this. Do you remember our conversation with Kevin Eastman? Yeah. yeah. I believe if you look back or listen back to our interview with Kevin Eastman, I believe he'll say something similar. And my reasoning for this is the time travel element of Ninja Turtles is ripped straight out of the comic books. Issue eight, the turtles travel through time with a magic scepter. The Mirage comics. This falls in with the zany like alien traveling through time, crazy, non-believable, magical kind of shenanigans that our Mirage Turtles got into past episode or issue like four of the comic book, right? 
That's my hypothesis, that this is a good movie based on the fact that it's so close to the original source material or more derivative of the original source material than Turtles 2 was. Whereas Turtles 2 is much more of a big screen version of the cartoon show. That's my hypothesis. Um, I mean, being closer to the source in some sense does not inherently make a thing better. Uh, I mean, it, it maybe will appreciate it more if we realize and agree with you that, yes, it is in, in this way uh, more true to the comics. Okay, <laughs> we will see whether or not that somehow uh, by the transitive property of because you say so um, <laughs> makes it better. Yeah, I, and I go ahead, Adam. I I I I want you to be right so bad, but there's there's something to be said. Like in the case of Back to the Future Three, Back to the Future Three was still a a well put together film. Yeah, correct. And and what. Like when, even when I was a kid, I was ready for the the weirder, zanier adventures of the the Ninja Turtles. Like I wanted this Ninja Turtles time travel movie. Like, but the step down in quality from two to three, even after the step down in quality from one to two, was just too much. Like, chunk, yeah. I want you guys to view it through that lens, and and see if as viewing it through the lens of this is a a a, a take on the comic book turtles the original comic book turtles does it change your opinion of the overall film that's my curiosity and i'm curious so, if it changes mine because i have not watched this in a long time so that puts me in a weird position because i've never read the comic book so i don't know <laughs> rachel gives no shits i no i have no frame of reference um yeah all right fair but that's what that's what i'm running with this season that turtles 3 might actually not suck. That's all. I'm putting it out there. It's in the ether. That's a, you know, that is a hopeful hypothesis. That's a hopeful, hopeful way to, to go into this project. And I applaud. A, I applaud your positivity, sir. It's a hypothesis. I, I can't think of another instance where there was a good thing and then it became a bad thing in the last iteration. And uh, like over the course of what? Three years? Like, yeah. How, how, how many years pass between two and three a year yeah yeah quick, two, quick. a year and a half like a year and quick, a half quick. yeah because it was 1991 and 93 yeah the the only thing i can think of and this is a shout out to my my anime fam the final season of tenshi muyo was <laughs> animated by a completely different studio and it was garbage oh, yeah. like I the x-men series disney's like, doug yeah Ugh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, let's get into this. We've got the hypothesis. Thank you, Chris, for correcting my vocabulary. Uh, <laughs> minute one starts with the New Line logo. <laughs> minute three ends with ZZ Top. Uh, let's let's get right into it. I love the New Line logo. We all love the New Line logo. But the first thing we see after that is this big red sort of script that says Japan 1603. What's going on, Chris? Uh, well, that is like the literal Wikipedia starting year for the uh, for the Edo period. Uh, that's the the time after. I'm sorry, the the what period? The Edo period in Japan. Oh, Edo. Sorry. Edo. Yep. I heard something so, else. Continue. It, what? All right. Anyway, so uh, that's when uh, Tokugawa, the Tokugawa shogunate was uh, came together and consolidated power and unified all the feudal lords and sort of took ultimate control away from the, the emperor and made uh, and made the emperor more of a figurehead. I mean, he kind of already was, but he unified under the central shogunate, and that's the sort of long period of relative peace uh, from 1603 to 1868. 
Um, so this is the very beginning of, of that period in Japanese history. Are we perhaps led to believe that this Turtles movie is going to have some effect on the giant institutional changes in Japan that you just described? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll get to that in like two episodes or one episode. Like, you know, we're going to this this Prince Kenshin. Right. With his Uh, very stereotypical name. What was what else is going on in the world in 1603? Rachel, I think you wanted to speak to this a little bit. Yeah. Well, England had a strong presence in Japan at this time. So I Googled who was monarch in 1603, and depending on what part of 1603, it was either the tail end of Queen Elizabeth I's reign, she died in March of 1603, or it was the beginning of James I's reign. Um, I'm not going to give this movie a lot of credit as far as like (laughs) like, uh, temperatures, because if it's if it's. Early in the year in Japan, the temperatures are fairly similar to what we experience on the East Coast. It's pretty cold. All right. Um, and then later in the film, we see April with short shorts on. We'll get into that. But right. it would be far too cold Calm to be down, doing Chris. that at that time period in Japan. So I'm going to say this is supposed to be summer, summer-ish, which would mean it would be James the first. However... Okay. At some point later in the film, some guy says compliments of Her Majesty. So either referring to Queen Elizabeth or James I's wife, but I don't think he was married when he became king. Something to keep in mind in terms of who who that person meant is the time it takes to travel from England to Japan and the time it takes for news to get from England to Japan. True. So he may think that Elizabeth is still queen, but she's long dead and he doesn't know. Yeah. I would also like to posit that Casey Jones will eventually show up in jeans and a T-shirt uh, from above ground, which means the temperature in New York is probably not too cold. However, it's December and it's 60 degrees right now, so that doesn't mean anything. True. Yeah, right. But this, um, was thir- this was 30 years ago before global warming. <laughs> so like True. I said, I'm not giving this movie a ton of credit to be uh, paying attention to what the temperature is, but... It's also like, how does the time travel work? Can they leave New York in the winter and show up in Japan in the summer? Of course, because if you're traveling through time, seasons mean nothing. It's just, you either go to the past or you don't. The season yeah. doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, you okay. don't go to the past that particular day. Oh. That's... Adam, thank you for clearing that up for us. <laughs> although, <laughs> although, if it's magic, maybe. You yeah, know, I mean, magic, there's you know, magical also, nonsense. There's... There's a lot of absolute nonsense science and theory that we're going to have to what? dig into in this in this season. No, well, I don't. I don't think we have to get it because it's because it is very clearly a magical, fantastical time travel. So, like, if you're just making up like your ability to go go back in time, it could. We should probably talk about this when they actually travel through time. Yeah, let's keep it. So we get yeah. The next let's thing have we the conversations see, for when things actually happen. The next thing we see is this red rising sun shot, which I love. This shot, this silhouette of the horse riders coming over the hill. You see the dirt kicking up. It's this beautiful red sunrise. It's just like. This is the most beautiful shot I've seen since the moon through the sewer grate in a Ninja Turtles movie. Mm. It's just a cool shot. Thoughts? Yeah. 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 Good shot. All right. So, do we know, um, I haven't done all the research I need to do, but was the samurai part of this stuff? Like, did they shoot in Japan, like with a Japanese studio? You know, I'm not going to lie. I've done no research. It's Golden Harvest, which I believe is the Chinese film company. Yeah, Hong Kong. So I would imagine that their ability to source uh, Asian, you know, outfits or or uh, uh, directors of photography or or cast yeah. or things like that are probably pretty strong. Their game yeah. is probably pretty good, right? 
I, I would like assume. To, I don't know. Ahead, I'd like to point out the budget for this movie was $21 million. That's that's more than the first one. The first one was something like $13 million, bumped yeah. up from eight. And I'm sure Turtles 2 was probably more than $21 million. Did we get that? I think we did. Probably, but, but, I, but I don't remember. It only made about like $50 million. Uh, I mean, okay, globally. so it made money. They made their budget back, but so, watching this, I was like, where, where did that budget go? You also have to consider the money that they put into like campaigning this movie. Yeah, because yeah. this movie so, was everywhere. Turtles yeah. Two was twenty five million. What did you say this one was, Rachel? I think I, I saw on Wikipedia that it was twenty one million. Mm. Okay, and we'll talk about the budget again in a minute once we get into actually seeing the turtles because there's some uh, some practical effects stuff we got to talk about also but they, but they easily spent that whole budget on horses oh yeah 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 because <laughs> having a horses. horse on set is like here's <laughs> here's the thing boom. that we feed money to boom. was it as expensive back in 1993 yes. before absolutely. the animal rights people went absolutely nuts that was not bef- that was that was well after the animal rights was it All yeah right. I'm, I'm almost certain that that was already a thing All right Kind of makes me wonder fair. what the horse budget on Lord of the Rings was. Good grief. High. They're all CG in Lord it's of the high. Rings, aren't they? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, no, I mean like the cavalry, like the big charges are, but all the all of your principal actors and like, you know, featured extras that are riding horses, they gotcha. have to in order to have the digital horses, you have to first have actual people on horses that you can then digitally copy. Yeah. Oh, right. horses, horses are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also get some of the very beginnings of what will eventually become a John Dupre score. What? And we're hearing, we talked a little bit about this when we talked to Mr. Dupre. We we talked about the taiko drumming, right? So this, this Japanese style of taiko drumming, which uh, it, I am not super well educated in, but I am familiar with the sounds of it. So you're hearing it here. And we know that Mr. Dupre was a scholar of Asian music, right? He talked about how he studied Asian music in school, and that was what he was going to end up, you know, Didn't studying. Didn't he spend time in Hong Kong? And that's part of how he was uh, connected It to might this. have. It might, I'd have to go back and check, but he's definitely yeah. well-versed in this, and we talked to him about uh, uh, getting to stretch those muscles on this score. And I'm, I've, I've got an email out. We're going to see if John wants to come back on this season and chat a little bit, so we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, we get a little bit of the taiko drumming, which I also enjoy. Uh, I don't remember anything else about the music in this movie except for ZZ Top. And taiko drumming. That's it. That's all I remember. So hopefully I'll learn something else about the music in this one because I've never been let down by John Dupre yet. Uh, minute one wraps up with more horseback stuff. So we we get kind of the whole first minute is in red. They're riding down the beaches. We see these four oh, yeah. sh- samurai. I'm, I'm really shogun. glad that we're not doing this one minute at a time because this first minute would have just been like, and then they rode horses. Yeah, and we would have talked about horses for 45 minutes. What do you know about horses? Do you know you measure a horse by hands? Blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not much. But uh, we transition into minute two. And we do this cool thing where it fades from the red color, a kind of a gradual fade into uh, the color of real life as we move into this jungle forest scene. We hear the taiko drumming pick up. We see Sunrise. a main character in flowing robes. His head is wrapped up. There's some screaming happening. This guy's clearly being chased, right? Yeah, yeah, clearly. All right. Um, Chris, what do you know about horseback warfare? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, not... I will confess and say not very much. I know that uh, the samurai... Why are you even here? (laughs) Jeez. I know enough to say that what happens in this minute where they're like, you know, they're they're sort of like circling and and their swords are clanging in the middle is awful. 
it looks bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's <laughs> like they don't have any lances, uh, spears like Yari. They'd be, uh, they have spears, lances. They'd also be, uh, using bows like the, the samurai, like, you know, we all know about the swords, like the swords are a big deal for, um, you know, culturally they're a big uh, deal. Like they're, they're a great icon of the samurai and they're an icon of Japan and the swords are of course excellent. But, uh, before the swords, before like sort of the katana took shape and became like the symbol that it was, and uh, and well, I mean, like it became a big thing in the Edo period because it was a matter of dueling and like war was less a thing. So it was the personal weapon that you carried around and, you know, you could kill each other with in the streets. But for these big wars, lances were big. Lances and spears were the big deal. And then on from horseback, the samurai were like most effective and most known for uh, being able to use their bows from horseback. Uh, so okay. like these guys chasing him should be. They should be rocking those those big like sort of asymmetrical Japanese uh, bows like Yumi's, and and uh, he should be uh, under threat of arrows. Gotcha. So like the All katanas right. were like the the holstered six shooters of the Wild West. Yes, yes. in that version <laughs> of their Wild West. Absolutely. This, it's the six shooter. It's like it's an icon. It's like what you have to show that you're a gunfighter, a, a swordsman. Um, but if you're going to war, if you're going to be involved in an ambush or like an attack or you're going out to battle, you have your sword and you'll probably end up using it. But first, you've got a spear or a bow. Yeah, I've been so, I've been reading a lot of uh, samurai comics, specifically uh, Usagi Yojimbo, who crosses paths with the turtles a few times. And it, there's such a parallel between Westerns and samurai movies. Yes. It's, it's so great. And that's, yeah, I mean, like, that's a big part of how the sword got became so important and iconic. It's like, you know, after, Tor uh, after Tokugawa unified the country and the sort of the major wars died down, the samurai, like, as part of their badge of office, carried the sword all the time. And so you always have the sword. And it's like, you know, it's the thing that you have for 200 years. They had the sword and... They just killed a lot of people with swords. <laughs> <laughs> Summary, dead with swords. Um, we we witnessed this uh, young woman pop into frame. This is Vivian Wu, actress Vivian Wu, uh, who has been continuously working forever. Uh, looks like her first film credit is 1987, and she's in stuff in 2020s. It, mostly, uh, it looks like overseas. She was in a couple episodes of Murder, she wrote. She was in uh, Tales from the Crypt. She was in Highlander, nice. the TV series. Nice. Uh, but as far as films, looks like most of her film work was not in the United States. But she's still out there. Was she? So. Was she in the Joy Luck Club? She was that's in how, the Joy Luck Club. That's why I thought I recognized her. Right after this, same year, she was in the Joy Luck Club. It's a good movie. It's a very um, good also movie. The Giver, which is not The Giver, nor is it MacGyver. So I don't know what it nor is. Nor is it but good. Oh, well, you've it's, seen it? It's, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. It's yeah. like it's one of those Japanese like sort of like suit um, like Power Rangers, but gotcha. it's like starring Mark Hamill and it's you know more adult and it's not good. I um, want to see this now. That sounds like the ingredients of a soup that I want to eat for the rest of my life. I imagine also, you are going to eat it and you'll probably enjoy it. We also learned that this guy's name is Prince Kenshin, so we have royalty friends, royalty among us. Uh, and he must come back to the castle, which he doesn't seem too fond of. And then we get into this awful, awful sword fight where they're literally just <laughs> tap, tapping, tap, yeah. tap, just, tapping their swords. Let me just, let me just whack your sword, buddy. No, I'm going to whack your sword until it flies out of your hand. I, when I was seven on the playground, I hit harder than this. Like, I've come seen, on. I've seen LARPing that looks more authentic than this. 
Yeah. Right. Hey, we have LARPing friends. Uh, I, we no, did, I'm just right. saying. They do. do a great job. <laughs> I'm sure our LARPing friends would have similar things to say about this scene. So, so far, my hypothesis is going straight to the crapper because this is not great so far. Not awful, but not great. Um, so that brings us into minute three, the final minute of our, our, our first day here on Turtles. And we, we see the fighting. We see yeah. a sword getting knocked out of his hand and stabbing directly into a tree. Chris, how fast does a sword have to be going to impale a tree stump? I mean, pretty fast. It's, uh, you know, wood's pretty thick. You don't want to stab trees. It would be, it's a, it's a heck of a shot. You know, normally it would just kind of bounce off. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It looks like a pretty dead tree stump, though. Maybe. But it Maybe. is doing like a da 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 kind of like boggling yeah. <laughs> back and forth. Thank like, them. Eh. Thank the producers for not dubbing in that spring <laughs> because there's a lot they of that sa- crap in They this saved movie. that for the turtles. They did. They waited for our favorite yeah. heroes. Um, and, and not for nothing, I really like that shot of them like riding off and like he takes, you know, the one horseman like takes the sword and the camera's zooming in on it yeah. and then cuts to the, you know, the motion of the, the subway. It's like, an awesome angle. transition. I, nice. I, I, I like agree that. with you. That, that camera work right there is great. And the director of this film is Stuart Gillard, which we should probably probably talk about a little bit Stuart Gillard Stuart Gillard uh as I type his name into the old internet box here who I tried to reach on social media and did not have success with he's about 70 years old he's Canadian and uh you may know him from Ninja Turtles 3 you may also know him (laughs) (laughs) you may also know him from several episodes of The Outer Limits Uh, He was the exec producer on the new version of Charmed. Oh. Uh, He was part of that Beauty and the Beast TV series that was back in like 2013. He was part of 90210. Not Ron uh, Perlman. That ran, <laughs> not not that, Ron Perlman and George R. R. Martin and right. Hamilton. So All right, he's done. another person who's been around Jane the Virgin. He's been involved with One Tree Hill. Okay. Uh, it, it, we look at the start of his career. It was Magical World of Disney. It was... Uh, I mean, not much up until Turtles. Turtles working is sort stuff. of where stuff. his yeah he's he's a guy he's he's a he's a workman he does his job. Um, but a nice shot. I do have a question. They grab Kenshin's horse and they they ride him back to the castle, mm-hmm. and Kenshin doesn't think to just hop off and run. Uh, good luck running away from people on horseback. I mean, you're in the woods. Can you not just hide? And clearly, there's other people there to help you out. Well, look, clearly there's one person. He's not aware that that person is there. Um, no. So if he jumps off, he runs, you know, they could just ride him down. They could run him down, pick him up. If they have to dismount, he's still vastly outnumbered and he's already lost his, like, main weapon. So fair. And that's okay. his means of conveyance. <laughs> and, and and as we will as we'll see in a couple of, in, in a few minutes, like, he knows these guys. He doesn't want to kill them. <laughs> um. We get to that, you know, the transition shot where you see the subway, and I'm looking in the windows of the subway car, uh, and I see blue seats along the wall of the subway car. I'm thinking maybe an R train, maybe an N train in New York City. Uh, nice. It's not these staggered, you know, angled rows of seats. These, this is what we do on Movies by Minute shows. We get into the details, right? <laughs> nice That's grab. That's a detail. That's I a detail. tried to find, like, the problem is at the beginning, you, you do see the front of the train go by, but they don't have, it must be the old ones where it was like a placard in front. It wasn't the LED lights yet. That tell you what the, the what the train was like. We what, need to what consult a, was. a train historian. <laughs> oh, I did that last season. If you don't you yes, know, remember, yes. we, I I went in and I didn't bother looking it up again this year for the turtles train in their lair because I yeah. 
again, I'm lazy and don't want to and didn't prepare a whole lot. But it makes me wonder how many trains they filmed and there was a homeless guy passed out on the seats. This one's it looks very empty. So I'm assuming they filmed it at night because there was not a lot of people on it. There's a lot um, of sh- like weird and wacky laws about filming in the subway in New York City. Really? Um, if sense. I remember correctly, I think at one point there was like an abandoned line that they would use for like filming stuff. But m- most subway stuff like inside of a subway car is a, a set. I-, I imagine that it's probably really hard to actually get down there and disrupt the subway to, yeah. to film anything. Unless you're like literally filming like on a platform and you like before that like, you're just getting people in there. Like whoever's yeah. there is in the movie now. And, and even then, like if you get, if you get caught uh, filming on a subway platform without a permit, which is really hard to get, you, yeah. you could end up in trouble. Like a lot of shots like this are like very like, like they ran down into gorilla <laughs> onto the platform and took 30 seconds of film and then ran back up. Yeah. That's that fast B roll. And yeah. the cameras were not particularly tiny those days either. No. <laughs> Rocket um, launchers. We, like this was, we this are, could have been on 16 too. Like they could run down there with a 16 camera. Yeah. Um, we are introduced to the entryway of a very familiar underground location. This appears to be uh, maybe perhaps continued from Turtles 2. I like the continuity of, of seeing our underground layer, but it's a little bit more colorful. They've um, added more of the antique store. Yeah, why do we have so many mannequins? I don't know. And why are they wearing such funny clothes? I don't know. Which one of the turtles is super into mannequins? Do they practice <laughs> on the mannequins? Like, <laughs> do they practice on the mannequin? Mm. Yeah. Did Do they the practice ninja on the mannequins, the, uh... Chris? Oh yeah, yeah. Good. Thanks. I appreciate the clarification, Scott. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. What were you saying? I was gonna say, did someone dump a whole dumpster full of mannequins down into the su- into the sewer? Yes, they were flushed. Um, but I do want to draw your attention. One limited time. About about twenty seconds into minute, twenty eight seconds into minute three, there is a wall of inner tubes, and my God, I am just hoping, just hoping that this is like used, like these are used inner tubes that they're not just like for decoration. That the turtles actually go sewer surfing with them, and that's like one of their pastimes. Like make this the reason I have that inner tube toy that I have yes. from the turtles line, right? <laughs> I'm I was happy to see that. I'm I'm glad the set dressing like really does indicate that the turtles live in this place. There's pizza boxes, there's a bunch of empty pizza boxes around. There's a beanbag chair in the corner, which who didn't have a red pleather beanbag chair in 1993? Hands anybody? I know I did. Mine was right? pink and this- there was a hole in it. So they come with the holes. I think yeah, that's well, how they we, were manufactured. We kept having to tape it up with duct tape, but that didn't yeah last very long so every adam, time you would sit down those little little beads would just go everywhere and get all over yeah. the cat adam <laughs> did you ever use your beanbag chair as a wrestling ring uh mine was too small but we did like, we we did bust it open a couple of times yeah like, definitely remember dropping elbows from the second step onto the beanbag <laughs> chair as a child yeah but when it breaks open on that elbow man does it break open i remember That's, i would set mine up kind of like up against a dresser and i had one of those those pillows with the arms, a husband, a husband. Yes. A husband. I have one in my room right now. So also the pillow that up like on my back and that would be my video game setup. Oh my God. Nice. I just, you just unlocked a turtle's memory. <laughs> um, I used it. to have one of those pillows with the, the, the husband yeah. that was shaped like, um, Donatello. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I forgot Merch that Mondays. I had that. Merch Crazy. Mondays. 
And then, and oh. then, for some inexplicable reason, after the beanbag fad died out, we all had plastic furniture. Yeah, or inflatable. Inflatable plastic furniture. Yeah. yeah. Why was that yep. a thing? Because we're dumb and children, <sighs> and dumb children do dumb things. Because the Delia's catalog told me to buy it. Goddamn! I've never had any of those. Um, we get the first bits of ZZ Top in this scene, and we also see our first shot of the turtles. And I, we have to dissect the opening shot of the turtles. I'm real quick because I can do this. I'm gonna share my screen with you guys. Ooh, right? watch tech. it. Look at brand Exciting. new technology. This is great, I like brand it. Brand new technology. Do you guys see the turtles right there? Yes. Okay, so this is our opening shot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and there's a couple things I notice. Number one, their faces are completely dead. These are the stunt heads. The first shot of the turtles in this movie, and they give us the stunt heads. And it's not like we can't tell. It's very obviously the stunt heads. Or or it's just that the hero heads are... I, I think the hero heads in this movie are on the same level as the stunt heads of the other two. Yeah. Possibly. Like these are not well made. You could pretty no. not, see the eye holes under their, under their eyes. That was my other thing, is the eye holes. I, for years, decades, I would say, I did not notice that there were eye holes in the turtle heads. I just... Never occurred to me that those little holes underneath the nostrils there were for eyes. The, things, this you, one, the things you notice in high def. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I I can't unsee it in this film. Well, like Donatello, we're looking at a shot of Donatello right as the turtles three thing pops up on screen, and him and Raphael. It's like you can see straight to the back of their head. Big the big bags under their eyes. They yeah. have, uh, they have not been getting sleep. But awful. But, but Doing this too is, many turtle flakes. This is the difference, though, between the Henson Company and literally everybody else in the it, it, with more between with the puppets. Henson Company and all effects company that did this one puppets. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, it's it, but the 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 Hensons the Henson Company went through such attention to the detail on their suits. And, and, and they masked all of that stuff well. But but so did Steve Barron. And Steve Barron actually took the Henson suits a notch further. You remember, he was like, I need them moist. I need to see the glistening yeah. eyes. And the Henson company were like, you can't do that. And he was like, watch me. <laughs> because what that does is it breaks the light up in a creative way that moves your eye away from all those little crimes that you can see. Right. And, and there's also a, a layer of weathering on all of the suits that give it kind of that it's been down in the sewer kind of look. And yeah. these suits look like a brand new pair of Nikes. Like yeah. they just yeah, took they these look, suits out of the box and they put them look on. like they carved the skin off a basketball. Is what these suits look like. Uh, they are so like the turtles. We might as well get this out because we're gonna we could spend the whole movie commenting on how awful these suits are because they are objectively horrendous. At <laughs> least at least from the neck up. I actually mm -hmm. don't mind the bodies of the suit so much because they're pretty similar. But the one thing that drives me nuts is just how green and dry everything looks. There is no life yeah. in these suits and at I think, all. I think at some point, I don't know what minute it happens, but I could have sworn you could hear the servo motors like clacking. <laughs> but like that would be head. horrendous. But it's possible. You can see them like they're there's the motion. The puppeteering yeah. motion is so yeah, I heard rigid. this like clack, 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 clack way in the background. I'm like, is that in the movie or is like that those wind up teeth? Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's also a lot of moments where the the turtle's eyes are just all the way open. And like, <laughs> yes, what, what 
what's what Steve uh, Steve Barron was able to do in the first one with like he would put glycerin on them so that they had like a, a layer of liquid on top of them that like <laughs> reflect light in only the ways that an, a real living person's eye does. Yeah. But the second one did enough blocking within the sculpt of the heads and the way the eyes were that they still looked like alive eyes. These they're just ping pong balls stuck to the front of people's faces. They're Kermit eyes. Yeah. They're more yeah. Henson eyes than the Henson eyes were. <laughs> yeah. I have it's, expect it's, I have expect those like cookie monster like Googles. <laughs> the oh. green Googles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing that happened from one to two. Okay, so from one to two it was Henson. From two to three went to a new company. We know we heard from Michelin Sisti that maybe a turtle's two head was stolen and this other company came in and like deconstructed it and said was like, oh we can come and do the whole thing cheaper. This budget was cheaper than two. Clearly, they saved some money on the costumes, uh, and this is probably the result. Um, but this thing happens where the masks get like thinner and the eyes get bigger. It's like they are consciously going for more of the cartoon look. Like the everything just like everything on the turtles thins out so much from one to three. Yeah, the bodies are leaner, the arms are leaner, the neck. Like it's I miss the chubby. Turtles 90 Turtles. I think they added a little bit of heft and in, in weight and realism. Um, this one just, it, it, they do kind of look like guys in scuba suits with really big bike helmets on. Yeah. So. Mm, yeah. And maybe, I don't know. I I haven't talked to, 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 Michelin wasn't in this movie. I don't think we've talked to anyone that was in a suit for this film, but I'd be curious. I know there were people that were in the suit for two and for three. I'm curious how that difference was for the person in the suit. If there was much of a difference, yeah, and, maybe we'll and, find out. And that is another difference too. You had these legendary super, or I guess they became legendary super performers who were in the first two movies who aren't yeah. in this one, like guys like Michelin Sisti or um, Leif Tilden. And like, I'll, you don't I'll, get that kind of level of, you know, learning the craft of acting through acting through a suit. Right. And I'll say this, looking from the profile, I'm going to, I'm going to share this with you one more time just because it's, and this is the last thing I'll say about the suits for now. You look at the shot of Michelangelo as he starts doing his breakfast club dance coming out of the sewer car (laughs) and you see him from profile. And because his body is so thin, it makes his head look massive. He has a beak on him. I don't remember that kind of discrepancy between head and body in the other films. Yeah, and just the way, just the way light reflects off of these suits is just it doesn't help. No, it's yeah. plasticky. Yeah. Um, speaking of Breakfast Club, isn't this a little late? Isn't nineteen ninety three just a uh, bit late? No, well, maybe it is. Like, sort of in in general pop culture terms, like if Saturday Night Live were to do a bit about the Breakfast Club in nineteen ninety three, it would be like, okay, guys, what are you doing? But This is a movie that was aimed at kids who obviously would not have seen The Breakfast Club when it came out and maybe are seeing it on repeat on TBS every day. I mean, is this more for the parents that are taking the kids, really? That could be one of those guys. Maybe maybe the turtles just saw it like they found a copy like in the (laughs) sewer and they're like, oh, it's a brand new movie. God, their eyes Uh, are so dead. I just I I love Mikey looking direct at camera while he's doing the 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 arm pump dance move here like hey look what we're doing um and and that wraps up the minute we just see a foot step out from the uh the sewer or from the 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 train car Mm -hmm. as we're about to get into our turtle introductions um 
but that's that's it for minute one, two, and three. That's where we end. ZZ we, Top and Dancing Turtles. There, there, there were a couple of credits I wanted to shout out. Go uh, for it. On top of this, we got the the Stuart Gillard credit, the the uh, the director. We got the Golden Harvest credit, who we've already talked at length about. But the one I really wanted to point at is Gary Proper. Yeah, um, we learned a lot about Gary Proper from interviewing um, Bobby Herbeck. Yeah, and uh, Kim Dawson. And Kim Dawson about just how instrumental he was at getting turtles out into popular culture and like really putting it out into the world. So, yeah. And if you haven't listened to the interview we did with uh, Bobby and Kim, I highly recommend it. Uh, those guys have expressed interest in popping back in to talk to us again after all of the, the 30th anniversary stuff happened. So we might get a chance to say hi to them again. Um, I don't know if Bobby had anything to do with this film. I know Kim was still the producer on it. Uh, but yeah, Gary Proper, definitely a, a huge part of why the Turtles are so ingrained in all of our lives. Oh, we also get the the Eastman and Laird quote, which... Mm. Yeah, which you can buy that on our t-shirts now, based on <laughs> I characters. I get that one. That's a good t-shirt. Yeah. I like that. Um, this is a great time to do the plug. So anyone else have yeah. a final thought on, on the first three minutes? Yes, not to talk ad nauseum about the suits, but another weird... <laughs> Another weird size thing. Their feet and hands are gigantic. Like, bigger than they have been. There's a shot with one of their hands that looks like it's twice as big as it was in movie two. Like, it got stung mm. by a bee or something. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say maybe it got stung <laughs> by a bee. The combat coal cuts are now just their fingers? Yeah, they're yeah. really yeah. beefy, and Sausage I don't understand. Beefy Turtle Fingers is maybe the name of the episode. But, but, but this is what I was saying at the beginning at the beginning of the episode is is like there's a there's a lot of things that I'd be willing to like see past if, if it wasn't such a dip in quality from the second yeah. film. Yeah. It's almost like a made for TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so far, my hypothesis is being shot down. This is not great. It's not awful. We haven't hit really well, bad stuff yet. But. Yeah, in three minutes, we haven't seen anything to really sort of uh, connect this to the comic books in such a way that you claim will make it suddenly good. True. Um, so that brings us to the end of our first day of Turtles 3 by 3 by 3 by 3 by 3 Remember, you guys can go on uh, tmntminute.com and you can listen on there. You can also browse the Dueling Genre shop where you can get some merchandise from not only our show, but the other Dueling Genre shows as well, including our brand new Turtles credits t-shirts you can get a t-shirt that says music by john dupre or based on characters blah 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 you can get all that stuff you can get our combat cold cuts t-shirt you can get our chevy nova t-shirt which is still up there <laughs> you can um, get a tales from the short box t-shirt yeah. yes make sure you listen to adam on tales from the short box on the dueling genre network what day does that come out adam that comes out every wednesday if you haven't heard uh, Up From Below, our role-playing game, please go listen to that. That is archived on our feed. I imagine if you're listening to this, you've probably heard that or chose not to. Um, and make sure you follow us on social media, at TMNT Minute, on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, and join our Facebook group, the TMNT Minute Listener Group. I know it's an original name. On Facebook, that's where all the fun conversations happening right now. But for the crew here at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, Three. I am Scott, they are them, and we will see you on Wednesday, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Cowabunga. <laughs>